0: to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're going to talk about something I believe that is important, not just because of the, the, the time we're living in now, but because it's something that we all deal with in some time of our lives, and that is getting stuck in life. And I, I, I get it. You know, there are times when you don't have answers. Um, there are times when you're going through something that you've never gone through before. Uh, the problem is, is uh, we get in a place where we are unmovable from the situation and we get stuck. And that affects life in a major way because we're not created to stand still. That's why God gave us legs. We're not created that way. I mean, God even told Abraham, he said, go, go, walk, walk, go, go, walk, walk. And it's the concept of our DNA is, is we need to move and we need to discover and we need to conquer and we need to, to, to operate in the way God created us to. That is, we, you know, we're to, you know, control this world. That's how we were started with Adam and Eve. It just got lost in the fall. But the point is, is God looked at us and said, you're important. You're important. This creation was for you to operate in. And so here we are now, and and most people are just going through life. You're just existing in life, and we're created to live life. And that's the dilemma, because when you get stuck and you're not moving, it's not a good place to be in. It's actually a dangerous place to be in. So I want, to t- I want to look at that t- this morning, and I want to make sure that we understand the importance of getting unstuck when we're stuck, okay? I, I-, I looked this up, and it said uh, studies have found that 69% feel trapped in their same old routine. 69% right now trapped in their same routine, and only 3 out of 10 people are happy with their lives, Now, I'm sure it's a lot higher. This probably was taken a year ago or so, but I'm sure it's a lot higher right now just because anytime you're going through situations as we have been, it's unknown. The future is not bright because of the information that is flowing out into most people. So because of that, it creates unhappiness. And there are statistics that back this up as far as where people are as anxiety, fear, worry, anger, doubt, I mean, it's multiplied. So when you look at that and you look at, you know, just the communication with people, you can tell, you know, it's a stressful time. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at life, no matter what we're dealing with, and realize that God doesn't want us to stand still. He doesn't want us to be stuck, stuck in, you know, our our looking at a, a bleak future. He doesn't want us to be stuck in looking back in our past. He doesn't want us to be stuck at all. He wants us to live life. Amen. So we don't want to be we don't want to be stuck in patterns. We don't want to be stuck in addictions. People get stuck in addictions to where they literally become friendly with it. Even though they can't stand it, even though it affects them in a negative, they become to where they lose the battle so many times. I get it. Lose the battle so many times, you give up, you quit. So it's like, it's part of me. I I don't want anyone, I don't want anyone in here, I don't care what you're dealing with in life, ever to get to the place where you accept something that is a negative in your life. Never. I don't want you to be that way. I want you to be able to overcome. I want you to have victory. I don't want you to settle for a bad marriage. Settle for, for a messed up home. Settle for a messed up job. Set, I don't want you to settle at all. I want you to recognize your responsibility to see your life in a way that you can say, you know what, it's going to be better. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. Listen, this Bible a thousand years ago is written. The same words, the same thing I'm telling you guys, the same things I'm introducing introducing to some of you as far as how God sees you and what he wants you to think, how he wants you to think about yourself. Being an overcomer, being victorious, being a winner. Listen, when was this written? Not when everything was going great. Everything was perfect. This was written when they were under slavery to Rome. When people were killing Christians for what they believed, this was being written. It wasn't written in good times. It was written in in times of great pressure, death and destruction. So when you hear these words, understand that it's not tied to, I can do all things, as long as the economy's good, as long as homes are selling good, as long as it's good, as long, no. You can when it's the worst. Yes. That's what separates us from the world. Man, I've seen a little spittle. Good thing I don't have germs. I'm healthy and whole. i walk in it too. So we want to get to a place. We, we don't want to get stuck. You know, we don't want to stay stuck. It's, you don't find, there's like no way out. And like I said, we've all been stuck, all of us. I remember, we, this was a few years back, but we, were, um, we went up to a cabin and we were, you know, in a cabin, had a little vacation time. And the, and the boys were younger. I don't know how old Daniel was, probably make, maybe like about 11 or so. But there was this creek below the cabin, And the creek, the area where we were exploring had a real soft, marshy area. And you know, boys, kids, they they don't believe in not getting wet. You know, no matter how much you're trying to say, okay, watch that, stay out of the mud, you know, don't go on that rock. They're gonna go on the rock, they're gonna go on the mud, they're gonna go everywhere where you're trying to keep them away from because you don't want all the mud and all the water and everything else. When they're done playing, they're, they're soaking. And I don't care what they do, it's just they, they do that. But Daniel was walking in there, and literally, he stepped in a, a, a soft area, he went down this far. And he's like that, and he's going, Papa, I can't get out. Papa, I can't get out. And, and I was down a little ways, and he's literally, he can't, he is stuck. And no matter how much pressure and no matter how much he, he fell to the ground, he literally is doing everything to get up. He can't get out. He is stuck. It's like quicksand, but cemented around his leg. Finally, I said, I said, you get your foot out of your shoe. And so finally, he's able to wiggle his foot and get it out of his shoe, and his, and his leg comes out. And what that's... What, I just thought about that because I thought, you know, sometimes when you're stuck, you got to let go, get rid of some things. And that, that came to my mind when that happened because I thought, you know, if he fought to hold on to that shoe, if he fought that I can't, I want to keep that shoe, he, he would have stayed there. I would have had to bring food out to him for that evening. And I believe a lot of times when we get stuck, we're afraid to lose the shoe. We're afraid to lose something. But that didn't stop you from getting stuck. So that friend, that job, that whatever, whatever it is that has helped in directing you in the place of being stuck, uh, sometimes you got to release to get unstuck. And I think when we look at this, we're going to find out that when we look at Scripture, you can see a lot of, analogies or pictures that help us for today. Disciples were stuck at one point after the resurrection. They were stuck. They weren't moving anywhere. And I believe if we can take a look at some information during that time, we can get some help of how to get unstuck when we are stuck in life. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to Luke chapter 24 Luke chapter 24, we'll look at verse 1 through 11. This is an awesome story, by the way. I love this because when you're open to the word in a way that you're not predefining it, or getting to the place where you're trying to work a religious concept into it, and just read it and place yourself in the story or or place yourself in similar situation? Not that it's going to be a biblical situation, but how would you act? How would you react? And that's how I do things when I'm reading Scripture, but uh, 24 verse 1 goes like this. Now, on the first day of the week, this is, this is the resurrection, okay? Very early in the morning, they a certain women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb then they went in and did not find the body of the lord jesus and it happened as they were greatly perplexed that's greek word for mental confusion they had confusion despair In doubt operating in their lives. They run to the tomb to, on the third day, which, by the way, Jesus has already told them, I'm going to be gone. They're there on the third day, not believing what he said. So they're operating still under the assumption that they're going to have to get that stone moved out of the way So, they can continue the ceremonial part of his death. It's the third day. If they believed, they would have gone in expecting him not to be there. So, the stones rolled away and he's not there. And they're greatly confused, they're in despair, they're in a place of, oh my gosh. Two men stood at them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid, notice what's operating, fear, confusion, doubt. As they were afraid and they bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, angels, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? Why are you looking for life in death? He's not here. He is risen. Remember? Now listen, these are angels that were sent down specifically for this right now. They're coming because, see, it's a third day. This should, this should be celebration. Jesus mentioned this many times while he was with his disciples and while he was even with the women. We assume it's only discipleship, uh, disciple understanding, but the Word of God says disciples more than the 12, and even the disciples of those women that believed in Jesus, Martha, Mary, and so on. So we have these women disciples. We have disciples during the time of Jesus. Now, they're, they're, they're not the 12, but they were disciples, And so we have these disciples, these people that are supposed to be hearing the word and believing the word. And so the third day should be everybody's going out to celebrate that Jesus ain't there. But that's not happening. Why? Why is it not happening? This is the dilemma that I believe most Christians deal with in their walk. And that is they have a mixture of truth. They have God's word, and they have their word. Their word is defined by religious beliefs, culture, different things they've picked up over the years, different things they've heard, different truths that they try to align with God's truth. That is dangerous. It'll never, ever work out for you. By the way, that's the beginning of the fall. Eve was Checked by the enemy. How much do you know? And what did Eve do? She does what many of us do. We give God's word and we add to it. How can we add to it? Because we add assumption. We add our opinion. We add our feelings. And by doing that, we all of a sudden take the power of God's word and we void it out. Remember, the Scripture says that we void the Word of God through what? Through traditions. Yeah. Traditions are the basis of stuff that we've picked up, we've learned. And these are how. this is what we do. This is how we do it. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just a tradition that we do. So through the traditions that you have been brought up in, the traditions you have created, they now intertwine with truth. And I I want you to understand, there there are benefits and positives, there are negatives with traditions. We have specific traditions that we'd like to do for Christmas and things like that. We have specific traditions. And there's nothing wrong with them, as long as we don't take that tradition and try to tie it to the Word of God. We have a tradition right now where we eat Thai food on Christmas morning. Thai restaurants are open on Christmas, by the way. Okay, just um, you know, different religions. I'm just trying to make it clear. Um, you know, there, there's a whole lot of good Thai food you can have on Christmas Day. They ain't closing down for Christmas. So we, we recognized that and took, it, took advantage of that. Now, I'm not going to, you know, take the Thai food, tie it to the Word of God and say, without Thai on Christmas Day, you don't know Jesus. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because that tradition is our tradition, but it's not tied to truth of the word of God. So in this we, look at this, we look at what Jesus is doing and what he's saying, and we recognize this picture is something very important. First and foremost, that they're asking them, what are you doing? What are you doing? Did you not remember? Do you not remember? And he says, Don't you remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee? So the angels are talking to the women right now. Not talking to Peter, James. He's he's talking to the women. Jesus talked to you girls. He told you guys on the third day he's going to rise again. Isn't that awesome? I love this. I love hearing this. He said, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Isn't that interesting? So what what does this mean? Okay, this is, let's don't run through this. Let's just pay attention to what's going on. They heard his words But when the event took place, when it's time to believe, they had a mixture of their belief. A mixture of their belief. Which caused them to what? Confusion, perplexed, doubt, fear. Why? Because they added to Jesus' words on their viewpoint, their feeling. But when the angel said... The pastor said, no, the word of God says this. Then the believer, the Christian, the attender goes, ah, oh, man, forgot. All right, I got it, I got it. That, I love that. I love everything about this because it really shows us something that we can look at and go, okay, instead of it saying, and they remembered and felt really stupid right? It didn't say that, did it? And they remembered and realized how bad they were. No. What takes place? And they remembered his words. Then they return from the tomb to the disciples talking about the good news. Look what we have seen. Look what's going on. This is truth. And this is what happens. When you hear the word and don't do the word, we make a mistake. But then we need someone to repeat the word again. Repeat the remind me of that word again. And then the reminding comes, and this is this is the majority of Christians ready. I'm so stupid. Oh man, I should have known better. I'm, I'm always screwing up. You just go straight to the negative. God, how has God ever used me? I just I can't. I, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And the Bible says if you add to the word, you'll be cursed. Silly stuff takes place in the minds of believers. Not God's words, our words. Our words. And so I want you all to know, I want everybody out there to know that what we have to understand is, is this word is a continuation of learning. It's something that you don't place to the side because it's life. The word is life. It's a living word. So there are going to be times when I might not be on track of that. And I'm going to need a little help from my friend. Come on, you can do it, buddy. Come on, come on, come on. And you know, when you look at life, that's where you see the greatest success. When you have people alongside of you, when you screw up, they're cheerleading you to get back on track. Isn't that true? You guys can attest to this. Or would you rather have people going, what an idiot, you're a loser. You got friends like that, you got to get rid of them because they ain't friends, they're enemies. Amen? You don't need anyone in your life like that none. You need to listen to what the word says. You need to build people around you that are going the same direction, or that are going higher level than you. Stay with that, because if you don't, ultimately, you're going to just go backwards. And that's not what you want. Amen? That's not what any of us want. So we've got the picture of what happens after the remembrance comes. So let's go back into this this message again. I want to start in Luke chapter 24, uh, uh, verse 13 this time. I'm going to read from the message because it just sounds cool on the message. On the same day, two of Jesus' disciples were going to the village called Emmaus. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. They were talking to each other about everything that happened. guys hearing this? They're on their way, seven-mile trip, and talking about everything that happened. That's very important to understand for this whole message. While they were talking about everything that happened, what happens? Jesus approaches them and begins walking with them, right? He's already resurrected, all right. Resurrected Jesus is now come back to earth, and he's he's getting up with people. These two disciples are talking about everything that happened on their seven mile journey, and Jesus shows up and starts walking next to him. Right now, think about this because this is the resurrection, resurrected Lord. This is God. Right? Very important to see this. Although they saw him, they didn't recognize him. He asked them, Ready? God. Listen. When he was here before the crucifixion, here he already knew what they were thinking. He answered. Questions that the Pharisees were thinking in their head. Now we have the resurrected Jesus. And what does he do? I need you to be looking at this with intensity to grab an understanding of what's happening. Jesus comes alongside them and says, What are you talking about? What's your conversation about? Now think about this. We have the Lord of Lords and King of Kings that just took the sins of the world, the curse of the world, defeated hell, rose again, and now he's walking on earth in this super awesome state of victory. He's got to have a hop in his step. I just, everything I'm seeing is like going, oh man, (laughs) I just beat up on the devil. I whooped on sin. I defeated curse. I followed through with the father's plan. I am glowing right now. Guys, what are you guys talking about? What's conversation going on right now? Like he doesn't know. They stopped looking very sad. And Cleopas, one of the disciples, says this. Dude, are you the only one in Jerusalem that has no clue? about what we're talking about right now, because I'm gonna tell you right now, everybody in this city and the outskirts of this city, they know the story of what just took place, and you come right alongside and say, hey, what are you guys talking about? You cannot tell me that this guy isn't looking at Jesus like, you are the biggest idiot on planet Earth. You cannot tell me he's not. He's not going, well, Lord, I don't see that you're Jesus, but I want you to know that that was very special to ask because we really want to clarify to you since everybody knows except you. No, they're like going, who are you? And why all of a sudden you walking with us? Now look at this. Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened recently? I love this. If you ever wanted to know how it is to really have a relationship with Jesus, understand that it's so cool and so normal. But if it isn't that way, it's because you have a religious relationship, which is very difficult to have with Jesus because it's unacceptable to him. You're creating a religious concept of what a fellowship is with God without God being there. A whole lot of denominations and doctrines that rob people of the freedom of this Jesus. And what is this Jesus, the Risen Lord? I mean, Risen Lord. What is he doing? What happened? What are you guys talking about? What? You the? Only, what are you crazy? Everybody knows about this. What? I'm loving this because I'm telling you right now. There's no way in the world I can't even see Jesus doing this. With, with this sincere face, I, I got to believe inside he's going. Oh my gosh, this is great! Because he's having a time with these guys. What are you guys talking about? Well, you don't know. Everybody knows. What's wrong with you? What happened? I love this. I love everything about it. What happened? What are you talking about? What happened? What is Jesus doing? He already knows what's going on. He knows exactly what's going on in these guys' hearts. He knows everything about them, yesterday, today, and forever. Everything, he's God. And now he's doing something that you look at and you go, why would he be doing this, like playing a game with these guys? Well, first of all, he's not playing a game. Secondly, he's teaching us something because it's in God's word. So what is he teaching? He's teaching there are going to be times when we're having conversation that is all messed up. All messed up. And it's bringing a a confusion in our hearts. It's bringing doubt. It's bringing fear. We don't have answers. And the Lord Jesus comes alongside and he does what? What are you talking about? Not, oh, let me fix this. Let me help you right now so you won't be confused. See, this is the definition of Christianity in most people's lives. I'm confused, fix it. I need this, fix it. This has happened, fix it. And that's not God, that's not his word. God's gonna give you the tools so you can fix it. Why? Because then it's God working in you and then you can testify of that goodness. Otherwise, it's God doing everything which most Christians are looking at the God and how they communicate, how they pray, how they believe. Everything is, God, take this away from me. Fix this. Make me not do this anymore, which, by the way, are fake prayers. They'll never be answered. Why? Because they violate his word. It doesn't make you a super spiritual holy Christian. God, forgive me. Change me, God. Oh, change me, God. That doesn't make you spiritual. It makes you dumb to God's word. You're ignorant of it. Because if that prayer worked, we'd all be perfect. Or God has respect our persons. Because they ain't listen to you guys. But there's got to be someone out there who is, and they're perfect. Because the moment they say, change me, oh, I'm perfect now. Oh, but it, see, the problem is when you look at it in that way, everything makes sense. But you look through the eyes of super spiritual wacko people with their doctrines that are goofy, they love that kind of stuff. Why? Because other people are looking, going, Oh, they love Jesus so much. Look at them. Look at them how they are. They're begging God for change. Oh, if I could only be so open like that. That's silly. What what does Jesus do? Why are you guys talking? What are you talking about? And what are you talking about? I wanna hear, I wanna know where you're at. Why, you don't think he knows? He knows exactly where they're at, but they need to know where they're at. We need to know where we're at. Sometimes, I mean, there are many times when I'm talking with Jesus, I'm talking to God, as I'm talking with him, I ultimately hear myself talking something that sounds so ridiculous. And then I realize, that is so dumb. Excuse me, God, I need to talk to myself right now. And I I do this all the time. Mainly because sometimes I'm just talking too much with the Lord. So I've learned sometimes I need to chill more. Sometimes in prayer, you don't need to do anything. Just let them love on you. Just let them love on you. Because sometimes I go on like going, no, how many more months? How did, what's going on? When can we move the chairs closer? I got a list, I got a list. And ultimately I get to the place where I'm going, stop this. I have to do this. not the Lord's going, Daniel, stop with this. This is craziest of you. He waits till I stop it, and then everything gets back to normal. And what is that normal where I'm like going, actually, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is today is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. Ultimately, it always gets that with me. Today matters. Not the future, not tomorrow. That doesn't mean we don't make goals and we don't have expectations. We don't have vision boards. That's all cool. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, if today doesn't matter, I don't care what vision board you're making. You ain't getting what you want. You're not. You're not going to make it through that, you know, that first promise, I won't ever again. Today is the key. Live today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Yesterday's already gone. Today. Today. Amen. Amen the the thing we have to look at is is our conversations what is our conversation like cuz let me explain something that you probably already know your conversation is how you behave in life conversation meaning it's your constant way of how you communicate it's a communication of belief and that equates to your behavior that's why in Scripture, in the Greek language, the two are interchangeable. If you read King James, it says, our conversation, our conversation, our conversation. You go to New King James, it's our behavior, our behavior, our behavior. But they're both the same, same language, same word, which is 100% factual in natural principles of life. How you behave, your conversation backs that up completely. What you believe, how you believe, is how you communicate. That communication is attributed to an action, behavior. And that's what we're looking at right now, this behavior, this action. Uh, Philippians one twenty seven says this, let your conduct, your behavior, anastrophe is the word in its conversation. Let your behavior, your action, your conversation Be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your conversation be what? Worthy of the gospel. What does that mean? The good news of the kingdom, the good news of of God's word for you. Let your conversation be worthy of that good news. Are you guys hearing this? So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, this is Paul talking talking to the Philippian church, He goes, that I might hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He's saying, get your conversation, get your attitude going in the correct way so I can hear the good news of your walk, the good news of your talk. James 3.13 says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good Conduct or conversation, same word, good conduct, good conversation, that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Notice this, the conversation is tied to works, the conduct is tied to works, your actions in life. James is telling us who is wise and understanding among you. That'd be a good time to raise your hand. Let them show this conduct and conversation by doing right things. Our conversation will be our behavior. Now, hear this with a place of excitement and joy because your conversation is tied to your conversation. Change your conversation changes your atmosphere. So uh, just tell it's just a terrible day and it sucks. And I hate it. I hate today. You want to make it better? Yeah, I really do. I've been praying and it ain't working. Yeah, I agree. And it ain't going to. Start changing your words. But you know why we have a problem with it? Because what we see and how we see determines what we say. So if we see and how we see negative, we're going to stay on the path of the negative. So if I change my words, what's going to happen? My thought process still might be seeing negative, but your mind can't hold on to negative if you're speaking positive. Why? Because when we are talking about natural language, it can only go mind to mouth, mind to mouth. My mind cannot think anything other than what I'm saying right now. I cannot think other than what I'm speaking. I can see, but I can't think, other than what's coming out of my mouth. That's natural language. If you've ever been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit without just speaking in tongues, that's the dilemma with people because it comes from heart to mouth. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, it's here, and you can think of all kinds of things. And that's freaky. Why? Because that's not how we live life. We live life mind to mouth. All of a sudden, we're speaking a language and able to think on different things. And all of a sudden, we start hearing what we're saying. See, your mind, when you're speaking, when you're speaking right now, you, there is no, I need to hear what I'm saying. You're, you're speaking right. here to hear. Right. Holy Spirit, tongues, baptism, Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues is here, here. And so, all of a sudden, we're going, Ora bashi baka. and I just looked at 958, 1957, and I saw the color black, and that was going on in my mind, but I'm speaking, which that is the problem where they're going, what? And then we want to go, well, it sounds the same and everything and I don't know what's gibberish. And, and again, you have to understand something. This is from here to here, not here to here. And by the way, Every single word that you're hearing out of my mouth is not a word. It's a sound. You create a word from the sound. but It's just a sound. If I spoke Spanish, some of you would just hear sounds. Others would hear words. Well, why would you hear sounds if it's a word? That's what I'm trying to say. It's just a sound. You've been taught how to create a picture, word, to the sound. That's all you've done. So every language on planet Earth is a sound. But there's been a process of training to that sound. So our assumption is if it sounds same, it cannot be different words, which is a lie. Because you can't dictate or define the sound without being taught how to speak a heavenly language in the natural, which isn't going to happen. You're not going to learn the tongues of angels. There's no class. I can't go to, you know, Estrella College and go, I I would take uh, tongues of angels 101 so I can understand this this language. It doesn't work that way. It's a heavenly language. But see, this is a concept that people have a problem, a difficulty with. Now you might think, well, what's this have to do with being stuck? It has everything to do with it. We're trying to relate to life through a process of what? Our understanding. And what's that tied to? Your past. Your training. Your teaching. This sound means this. This action means this. This feeling means this. We're already predefined everything in our lives. And God says, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Jesus even used the term, you've been born again. And we still go on this with, I know everything. We still go on this with our preconceived ideas. Well, I believe this, and I believe that. I mean, that would not work in anything in the natural. You go to your specific, say, for instance, you have a job as a computer engineer, and there's a certain type of um, new Uh, Coding you have to learn. It's so different than what you know. So you go to class and you come in and they start saying this. You go, no, I don't agree. Well, how come? Because uh, I have, it says this. I believe it says this. And they're going to go, what are you doing? No, we're trying to teach you something. No, no, no. No, because this is what I know. And this is what it says. And they're like going, get out of the class. You're not going to learn this. You're not going to grow and get the success to this next level because you're trying to bring in your understanding. But guess what? None of you will do that. You're going to go in with eyes wide open, ears open, heart prepared as good ground. And you're going to sit there and listen because you know that learning this is going to open the door for this. And you know that natural, but in Christianity, we fight for the right to be dumb. And it's silly. And I'm not talking to anyone other than my journey. I know what it's like to be that dumb. To literally question someone that has three times as much life experience than you. And you'd sit there with, with the attitude of, true, I know what I'm talking about. And you're an idiot, or I was. Because I didn't know what I was talking about. But that's the human nature. We, we, we're going to sabotage our success instead of going in this like, I need to learn. You guys hear me say this all the time. Because what you see and experience from my attitude, my heart, my passion, it, this ain't no game. This ain't no, let me, you know, fake you out. I'm not that good. There's no actor that can be that good that can carry a fake emotion for over 35 years. No one can do that. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Brad Pitt, it ain't gonna work. You can't do that. But because this is real and it's living and it's daily and everything about it is fresh and new every morning, that's why I get up here and I'm this way. It isn't a fakeness. Though there are Christian people on TV and radio and churches that are fake, they are putting on a show because they're relying on religion to mandate their life. So they have to fake it. I've been around them. I've seen the fake, and I've seen them through the week, and it's not the same person. Let's move on. How do we get unstuck? So we're going to look at this, and we're going to see the keys of how do we get stuck. Verse 19 of the story we read in on Jesus. Luke 24, 19. They said to him, we were discussing what happened to Jesus from Nazareth. What are you guys talking about? Haven't you heard? Now what? We were discussing what happened to Jesus of Nazareth. He was a powerful prophet. There's their first stage. Ready? In what he did and said in the sight of God and all the people, our chief priests and rulers had him condemned to death and crucified. All right, true, ready. We were hoping that he was the one who would free Israel. What did they choose? What are they blame for? The Messiah. Were they expecting another King David? That's what all the disciples were doing. They wanted another King David to destroy Rome and put them as a nation that ruled all the countries. That's what they're expect. That's what Israel right now is expecting. That's why when we talk about end times, tribulation period, all this stuff, it's all tied to the same concept of we're waiting for the Messiah to start our reign again. That's all they're doing. It's a whole concept of the Old Testament belief of a Messiah coming. The problem is is every prophecy came to pass except the seven years. Seven years are missing. Now we've surpassed the time frame, but seven years are still missing. That's what the tribulation is. It's going back to the place of the information of Israel. Starting with the sacrifice, going right back to where they left off thousands of years ago. Isn't that crazy? But that's what it has to do. That's why it's not about you. It's not about the church. That's why God, God has to do this. Church, get out of the way. I got to deal with Israel. Just by knowing these simple facts can get you to a place where you're like going, Cool. Too bad for the tribulation people, but I'm not in it. It's it's just what it's about. But by knowing this information, what happens? Freedom, freedom. What are these guys doing? Powerful prophet, disciples, adding to their belief system. We're expecting him to be King David Jr. Are you ready? What's more, this is now the third day since everything happened. Bingo, but what do we do? They, they've got the truth. They remember Jesus. On the third day, he'll rise again. Now, what are they doing? On the third day, they're not feeling the rest of the story. On the third day, it will rise again. Oh, we're good. We're going with you, Jesus. They surpass this. Why? They're stuck in their mixture of truth. What's more, this is now the third day since everything happened. Some of the women from the group Startled us. They went to the tomb early this morning. They didn't find his body. Oh my gosh! Ah! Not celebrate Jesus, celebrate. No, they didn't find his body. Ah! They told us that they had seen angels who said he's alive. Some of our men went to the tomb and found it empty as the women had said, but they didn't see him. There's so much confusion going on in a picture of what should be simple truth. Jesus told us the third day after crucifixion, he'd rise again. Very simple. What did they create it into? Great prophet, Messiah, to bring Israel to its fame. Third day, no one can find him. This is crazy, people. This is crazy. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's getting them to recognize crazy. And watch what he does. This is so powerful. The conversation that they're having is a conversation that we need to have with ourselves. In other words, we want to get unstuck. We need to change our conversation, to ourselves. That's where it first starts. It goes here, then everybody's secondary. So the conversation or the self-talk that we have has to be lined up to what truth is. The journey that I've had is tied to this information of, it's not about what I feel, it's not about what I'm thinking, it's not about what I assume. It's about what does God's word say? So I had to go through this place of difficulty of hearing words that didn't line up to what I was experiencing. But I knew this is what I had to do because this is what the Bible is teaching me. And these are the the lessons I was being introduced to, instructed in. So as I'm growing as this Christian, I'm realizing more and more that a lot of this information doesn't line up with any stuff going out there, but... Let God be true, and every man a liar. In other words, I got to get to the place where, am I going to believe this or not? And see, most Christians, they don't cross that line. They're still going to hold their ground of, but, and I'm still, and it's going, and they stay in the place of, it doesn't matter what God's word says, this is what I'm experiencing. And that's the problem. We have to get to the place where we're like going, it doesn't matter what I'm experiencing. It's what God's word says. When we get into that level, all of a sudden start, things start changing. A healing happens. A miracle takes place. Things that you're wanting to happen to fix the situation, God's waiting for faith to take place for it then to be able to happen. Why? Because here, It ain't about nothing but a wand being waved. Here it's about my belief, my faith, and my trust in God's word. Now it's lined up to complete truth. But what we found out through our walk, what we've gone through, and many of you in here, is is that there's this process of maturing and growing. And as you mature and grow, information becomes more settled, not only because you're getting a process of building on the truths, but you're also maturing in your life. And as you mature, and as you learn, those things go hand in hand for your success. But a lot of times we get information, we're not mature enough, and we stumble, and we judge ourselves. And I hope to think that those that are in love life, you've come to understand that That's ain't, this ain't happening here. Or someone, that, someone ought not to be judging you, because I'm certainly not. And if someone else is, and it's not me, don't tie it to me, because that ain't me. That's that fool. So you need to talk to that fool and say, hey, you ain't lining up the way pastor is. And then the best thing to do, I'm just telling you what Scripture says, is bring the fool to me. I'm just, I'm using common day language right now, but that's pretty much what it says. But churches don't do that. Church people don't do that. And that's why there's issues and problems and divisions and gossip and judgmentalism because it ain't being taken care of. People are scared of accountability, especially in this day and age. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those things. You get, you, you know, the people like to just put, they like to comment, do everything anonymously. Oh, I hate, I hate, I hate. By Mickey Dumbo. Oh, let me give you my two cents by Jeff Waters. You're just just making up all these fake names because you don't want people to know that it's you saying that. So you feel it's almost like, you know, growing up, uh, you know, in the time period when you're not doing the right things, you call liquid courage, where people had no courage or strength or power until they were drunk. And then they became real powerful and strong where they thought they were in the heads. It's just they were drunk. So they thought they were tough. But without the alcohol, they weren't tough. We used to call that liquid courage. Well, now we have Twitter courage. Same thing. Try all these, you know, groups out there. All these evil-minded groups out there. Have them start putting real names. Take off masks. Show us who you are. Let me see your ID. Let's see how tough people are. Guarantee you, you're not going to see nothing. Very, 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 very few are going to stand up to accountability. But when you can hide, liquid courage. You guys hear me? So we need to change our conversation to ourselves. It's so important. You got to remind yourself how you're speaking to yourself. Listen to yourself. Pay attention to what you're saying. Amen. Negative self-talk will produce doubt, depression, anxiety. When you're speaking down on yourself and you're always negative, that's what it produces. It also produces a, a hard heart. When you're negative all the time, you can get a hard heart toward God. I see it all the time in in I'm talking church. All right, I'm talking people coming to church, loving Jesus, excited about it, and you can see things are going good, but let's say all of a sudden circumstances, situations start hitting them. It hits everybody. Things are happening the way they thought it should happen. A prayer didn't get answered. All of a sudden, all the lack of knowledge, they start filling in the gaps. Ultimately, their heart becomes hard, their heart becomes hard toward God. They don't wanna align it as God, they wanna use it as church, Preacher, pastor, leader. They they don't want to name everything else other than the truth is, is God. Because I can tell you right now, when their actions of runaway take place, they don't become more spiritually mature. Things don't get greater in their lives. Things get worse. And that's the key to seeing that that action and attitude was not the right one. So what do you do? You fix it. Gosh, everybody's blown it. Everybody's ha- have said something they wish they didn't say. Everybody's went, send. Oh, I'm send. Ah, Too late. It's out there. Everybody's done things like that. But the problem is it's when everybody else that has done the same thing start judging you as bad, and they've done the same thing. That's what we can't do. We can't be that type of person we got to be people who recognize, yeah, you had a tough time. But what are you doing today? Turning my life around. Well, let's go. Let's go. Let's move on. Let's win. Especially if you're, if you're married or you're a parent, you have a responsibility now. You're not by yourself. You have a responsibility to fix it, change it. Because if you're running from everything, every problem, every issue, you're training your children to be just like that. And there's no parent that goes, I want to train my kids just like my parents trained me. No one does that. No one, no one. We all are looking at, we want the best. We want the best. Not saying our parents are wacko or bad, but the truth is, is we want better because we're good at pinpointing negatives. Even if there are great positives, we still rather pinpoint negatives. And so we introduce them to what? Well, if you aren't consciously processing this life, you're going to produce what you were trained in. In other words, you're creating a monster (laughs) or many monsters. It all depends on how many kids you got. So we don't want to be that way. Amen. We don't want to be that way. So in the conversations, in our communication to each other, we need to make sure that our self-talk, our conversation to ourselves, is not this beat up one or dangerous one. Jesus is not gonna go on the extreme with these guys. He's not gonna go all out and attack them. Because we see, and let's look at the look what happens, verse 28. No, not verse 28. In verse um, twenty-five, yeah, in verse twenty-five, Luke twenty-four. Look at this. Ready? Then they said to him. Then he said to them, "All oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ that has suffered these things and enter into his glory?" Shouldn't he have done what he said he was going to do? The prophets said that he was going to die and be risen again. Jesus said he's going to die and be risen again. And that's what he's saying. He's going, guys, don't you get this? And then this, and beginning at Moses, all right, that's Genesis, and beginning at Genesis and all the prophets, he expounded to them look at this. Now remember, we're talking about risen road, risen Lord. We're talking about he's already, this is victory lap. I mean, he is the winner. He's the glorified Christ. He's the son of God. He's God now. He is complete. And what does he do? He does everything we need to pay attention to right now, Christians, because this is our lives right now. This is after the resurrection. And what does he do? here, let me touch you. (laughs) Better now? No. It's me. It's me. Don't you believe it's me? It's me. No, no, he doesn't do that. Oh my gosh, what does he do? He takes the word that's in his life. And he starts from the teachings of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And he goes down and starts talking about what? all the scriptures, all the patterns, all the types of him, and he teaches them and continues to teach them and teach them and teach them and teach them. What does Jesus want to do for you? He wants to get the word in your heart and for you to operate from that word that's in your heart. This is success 101, not I'll make it better Believe me, I'm standing right in front of you. No, none of that. What are you talking about? Tell me what you're talking about. Let me tell you what you need to remember. And he goes through the process and instructs them Is this amazing? Then they drew near to the village where they're going. Seven miles they've walked. Can you imagine the conversations? Wouldn't you love Jesus going through? And then Abraham. The father told Abraham, take Isaac. Take Isaac up, and I want you to sacrifice him. This is Jesus telling these stories. Oh, he would have been a million times better than me. Oh, I would have loved it. I would have heard him go, because after this whole wonderful time, they go, weren't you burning inside your heart when you were listening to that? It's so beautiful. And, he, and, and look at this. They drew near. They indicated that he indicated that he would have gone farther. In other words, I'm going to keep going. And they said, no, 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 wait, wait, stay with us, stay with us. And toward evening, the day is far spent. He went and stayed with them. Now it came to pass, look at this, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave eat, and their eyes are opened. What am I saying? I'm saying there are three more points that I'll talk about next Sunday. But what I want you to know, ultimately, this comes down to a God that's amazing, that has so much care and desire for your success that he's not going to deliver you. Isn't it better? He's going to give you the information so that you can get yourself out of this rut and move on and have victory. Why? 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 Because There's someone sitting next to you, someone sitting behind you, someone sitting in front of you that's in a rut, and they need you that have been unstuck to help them with information so that their lives can be taken care of on Monday. Amen? Father, we thank you for the word. We also thank you that your word brings this truth and understanding. You show us how real and how loving you are. And the life of Jesus so wonderful and so powerful. I believe that many out there right now that are listening to this in here are listening to this Jesus that doesn't line up to religion, But it becomes something that's so special and so real and so, like, I want to be a part of this. And if that's what you want, what I want you to do is I want you to receive Jesus. I want you to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And that's all the Bible says. Call on Jesus. You'll be saved. Call on his name. I want you to call on his name and receive Jesus. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you. Thank you, Jesus for answering my call, coming to my heart. I'm a child of yours now. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I love you, love you tremendously, and and have a great, wonderful rest of the day. Amen? We'll see you. Next Sunday is going to be awesome.